Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. We are here in my office and have uh, quite the occasion tonight. We have, for the first time in a long time, all four of us are here. Uh, myself, uh, Peter, Ben, and Mike. And today we're going to be talking about first article and second article Christians. Um, what are we going to have to say about that? Um, where will that go? Um, find out with us as we get to our topic. First and second article Christians. Mike is hopefully going to take the lead on that. Um, but uh, happy to have all four of us back. Peter, you managed to take a break of, from uh, taking pictures of your baby. Yeah, well, I'm still taking pictures. I've just stopped sharing them. Just stop sharing them. Yeah. Why would he, you stop he shares them? them with people he likes? Yeah, no, I yeah. share them with Ben all the time. You don't share them with me anymore. Is yeah. there a reason, Peter? No, no, no reason. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, Mike, you look like you want to read the disclaimer, huh? Maybe Ben wants to say something though. Hey, Ben, you got anything? While Mike's holding up the disclaimer, there. I don't have anything. You know, we no. should we should talk about uh, what what we're going to name Ben's child now. So since you know, my wife just had baby. With Ben's, I think it'd be a bit presumptuous for us to think we should be allowed to name. <laughs> Actually, Ben's I would child. love your help because we got nothing. We don't know the gender, and we got nothing. All right, so name Ben's baby at let so the you're going to go with a name that could go either know. way with a gender, or you, or you're looking for names for each gender. Well, yeah, we have no you're names like a Francis that could go either way, or, or Chris, huh. Sam, Pat. Logan. Logan. <laughs> Can Logan go both ways? I don't know. <laughs> All right, yeah, Mike's huh? been holding this disclaimer for a while, which makes me want to keep changing the topic. I think that the traditional thing to do is just get two names in the hopper, and then you can go either way. But why not just get one that could could swing either way? Okay. Well, I kinda, I'll take I it into like advisement. An, I like the one name idea. How about Mario Maria? Ooh. Not just, Maria, just but Maria. Letter. Yeah, the pronunciation <laughs> stays the same. <laughs> Victor with the middle initial E. <laughs> uh, Mike, I see you're wearing a St. Louis Cardinals shirt. How'd the cards do today? This show doesn't speak for our churches, our church bodies, or our employers. To be honest, much of the time it probably doesn't speak for us. We will be thinking out loud a lot. So approach what you hear with a healthy skepticism. Because, well, as a responsible resident of planet Earth, that's probably what you should generally do with almost everything. If you find yourself getting too worked up, tune out, look around, and realize you were just listening to a podcast. That's right, a podcast. So go live free, friends, and don't let us get in the way. And we're back with the free-for-all where we wrestle with life's pressing questions and try to answer them once and for all. We're skipping the scripture narrative as we'll get into some of that uh, uh, theology talk in our main topic. But we wanted to get our free-for-all in here. We've got a pressing, a real pressing one today, and I'm going to let Wade kind of you know, set it up for us. But in general, we're going to be discussing the distinction and the, uh, the, the separation between bees and wasps and how we should understand them. So, Wade, why don't you give us a little bit more... Uh, uh, set up there. Yeah, we uh, alluded to this might be coming up in the episode we recorded last week with Dr. Zima, um, which will probably come out right before this one. But uh, probably about two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago now, I was removing brush from behind our shed, uh, a tree, and then, I don't know, Mike, you've seen it, bushes, brush, I don't know what, what we'd call it exactly. It's generally overgrowth is a what they call it. A fair amount of overgrowth. <laughs> and uh, so took out a ton the whole side of our yard is is filled with all of this now of what we took out 
And there were these uh, little things flying around me for, I would say, probably 45 minutes with no problem. Um, but then I uh, went to go kind of sit down uh, and uh, change the or put new gas in the, the chainsaw and thought I had a thorn. And it turned out it was a uh, an, an insect. We'll just say that because I know some are sensitive to, to labeling these insects. And uh, and so I got stung, and uh, then we sprayed later because that's really the only ethical way to take care of these insects, and uh, just sprayed haphazardly, hoping to kill anything in the area. And then uh, the boys and I, so Nick and Ziggy and I, were were working more on the brush, and uh, Ziggy all of a sudden was like, "Ow!" and took off, and and then we noticed kind of some stuff, but Nick and I weren't getting stung, so we kept working, and uh, and then we got stung pretty good, and they they really latched on. These things were pretty. Um, I would say they were committed. I, I commend them when they, they really went all in on what they were trying to do. I think it, it showed um, a certain sen- sense of uh, insect virtue um, on their part. <laughs> and uh, they they were going to protect themselves. They weren't going to just be whiny and sit back about how others should step up to protect them. And uh, and so they really were clinging in really, really, really well. And uh, so we had to take our clothes off in the front yard and, and finally get into the house to get away from them. And so I had, I had posted on Facebook about getting stung by a, uh, a swarm of uh, these insects. I, I called them bees um, in my possible naivete, um, ignorance, I suppose. And uh, and so I get this message. We have a, uh, a podcast uh, messaging group we use. And uh, just out of the blue, I get, uh, Wade, fake news. There is no way those were bees that stung you. Second, it wasn't a swarm. Swarming bees rarely sting. These are all separate messages, by the way. Bees swarm when they are looking for a new home. They they don't sting when they have a home to protect. And uh, this revealed, I would say, over the span of, gentlemen, you can correct me if I'm wrong, over the span of a few weeks that uh, um, it's really led me to a lot of introspection and uh, in research personally um, to realize the plight that wasps are facing um, it turns out these were wasps that had stung me. Um, if you don't know, wasps pollinate. Um, they are very important for the ecosystem. And it appears that uh, one of us is very cold-hearted towards wasps. Um, some of the things that have been said I'm not going to repeat. Um, and and this has been a couple weeks long conversation. Yeah, very I mean, at one point there was this trap I was supposed to make. Uh, okay. Um, as if wasps' lights, lives don't matter. It would spare the bees. Um, so I guess I'll, I'll throw it open. Maybe Ben would like to speak a little bit more to what he sees the issue as. But I would just like to everybody to know. I've tried to explain Wasps this. pollinate, and they, they just try to protect themselves. I, I try to explain this to Wade. I don't have a problem with wasps. I have no problem with wasps. My problem is people <laughs> falsely accusing honeybees for doing things that wasps do. Because I don't think you should kill any of them, really, if you can if you can help it. But people just hear like, "Oh, I got stung by a bunch of bees," and then they they go and try to kill like as many bees as they can. And we're facing a huge, I would call it catastrophic. I, mean, I would call it yeah. Catastrophic wasp problem, bee problem. It's called colony collapse. There's several different you know causes. Uh, there was one that came out this week. Uh, Mike shared an article with me. I don't want to get sued by the <laughs> giant, giant, nameless 
biopharmaceutical company <laughs> that's in charge. But they weighed in on the issue too. They, you know, back and forth about they're being blamed for. Well, one of their products. Yeah. Now, one of their products that they didn't make, but they bought the company that make it, so now it's their fault. Kind of like uh, the BP oil spill. BP that they didn't build those pipelines, but they bought the uh, company. Kind of like Jesus with our sins. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, you you say bees and then you say honeybees. Could you please define for us what you're willing to consider a bee, and then what is just. Um, garbage that should be killed. In <laughs> I head. don't advocate any of these uh, alleged <laughs> killings, mass killings of insects. Um, so a honeybee, a honeybee is, a bee. is a bee that you know. Uh, it's it's a primarily um, it, it pollinates very well, but you know makes honey and that kind of stuff. As opposed, does to it pollinate as well as a wasp though? Because I know wasps better. do pollinate. Right, but pollination is important. But right, I mean. Right, and then and then you get into your 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 different, you know. There's social wasps and you know solitary wasps and that kind of thing. So, so. would it? Be, you're you're not for killing wasps, I understand that, or bees. No, but no, you are. For, you, you he has given me a trap for killing wasps. That's right, true. He did because I don't. I mean, if they're in your yard and they're stinging your family, I think that's okay to kill them. But what about honeybees? I would. If they're in my I yard. would move if that were if they were honeybees. Like, so, like you so would abandon house. the house? Yeah, or, or where so bees. So a honeybee, though, is a bee. Is a bumblebee a bee? Yeah. Is a wasp a bee? No, I mean, I, I wouldn't... Like, everybody, like if, if you buy a can of bee spray, it's just for all kinds of bees. I mean, bees kind of used as a catch-all term, right? For, so is a for hornet... Anything. Can a hornet... I'm just wondering how you classify I, it. What I would say is uh, any of the honey-producing... Excellent pollinating bees um, would be classified as the bees that you should, you know. Now, do bumblebees make honey? Yes, they do. Yeah. So honeybees and bumblebees. But bumblebees, like the big fuzzy ones, they live in the ground, and that's where they produce their honey. And it's a much smaller quantity than the traditional honeybee, and it's not even practical to harvest it. So they don't have like a lot of their honey doesn't have a lot of use for humans, but they still are are pollinating stuff. So if if there were a bumblebee. Sorry, my so a bumblebee hive and a and a and a honeybee hive, and Peter's got all the bee gear on, and he's holding them up, and I have a can of Raid, and one of them <laughs> has to get shot. Would you choose the bumblebee gets shot or the honeybees? Wait, are you teaching ethics this semester? I am. It sounds like you might be. Yeah. Yes. So which? Well, which, Peter's told me I'm never supposed to answer a either or question. But if you're making me choose, I would. Uh, I would. <laughs> protect the honeybees so honeybees is the chief concern yeah well because and I then mean, you don't care about wasps well i do but they're much lesser i had two questions where <laughs> who which kind of bee produces the honey for honeycomb cereal and then the second one is honeybees but okay. it's probably again i don't want to get what sued by a giant faceless cereal company but I'm guessing it's probably like they mix, they mix honey with corn syrup in a lot of cases to really water it down. So you know what? You know what tastes good on uh, honey? What is it? Honey bunch cereal, honeycomb. Honeycomb. Roundup. That's what I put on <laughs> well, my cereal. The other question I have is, how do you? I mean, you're you're sensitive about 
people like Wade making a big right. deal about. Well, he comes into church and he's like telling everybody, "I got stung by all these bees. These bees are terrible. Bees, bees, uh, bees. Right. So, it, like my family is like getting kicked out of my home because of bees." You're sensitive to <laughs> to because we have a problem. That kind of language yeah, are just leads to false notions which just exacerbates the exasperates the problem correct yes okay so the then people, I, if you talk to wade about his little quote-unquote b episode like you wasp episode and i actually commend them um for the vigor you're gonna with go which out they protected and just themselves. like if you see like a like a beehive i mean you're just gonna try to like destroy it because you've only heard these terrible things from so on a, on a similar situation, how do you feel about how bees are portrayed in on in popular culture? For instance, well, uh, the, just hold on. The, for like I the think Simpsons, the th- there's a bee. Yeah, there's that. like three major cartoon bees in recent history in television, and two of them are Hispanic. Like, are you like the one in Simpsons, and then the Flonays? They all have like a Hispanic accent. Like, do you feel like that's that's good or bad for the whole situation of promoting bees. Like it's multicultural, it's great, but is it a little bit too much? Does it really relate to the the mass population the of America? Be portrayed as all races, so that right, we you, do you have sympathize one? with them more. Well, I mean, it depends on what kind of bees they are. There's, there's like for honeybees, there's like Eurasian honeybees there's european <laughs> honeybees and there's africanized bees and so if they are south american or you know so you think the flonays bee and the bee on simpsons probably was portrayed best case scenario as a uh, those Latin are probably Americans, africanized Africa. africanized bees those and are the, the ones sometimes called killer bees and not because their sting is that much more potent it's because they're much more aggressive so why do you think that simpsons is aggressive as wasps though the killer bees make honey yeah. Oh, they're very good honey producers. How do they? How Some are they people. That's actually though? why they brought them to South America is because they they're they're a very strong. So would you would you be okay bee? with the killing of killer bees, or you think that that is unfortunately yes, I, in places where they're threatening the European bee population? Um, European bees are you know kind of a a, a more. So your chief concern is the European bees. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> I, think is, I think really we're getting to the heart of the issue now. No. So the honey nut Cheerio bee. This is alt-right take is, on bees. Is the honey nut Cheerio bee This is all real European stuff. Bee? There's no subtext to this. This is all real stuff. The Africanized bees, they're great bees, but they're they're very uh, aggressive. So like if you, and they, they're, they're, uh, they're, uh, Queens actually, um, the, you know, the what would you call it, the gestational period is a day faster than the European bees. So no. if you get a, if you get a, a, a an African killer, an African bee, killer bee, bee colony into a European bee colony, it's going to take over and turn it into an African bee colony. And one, there's nothing wrong with time. that, except that they're, you know, they're much more. Um, Aggressive. Well, so, like, it, beekeepers isn't that really don't a like form of colonialism. <laughs> Reverse colonialism, yeah. then, yeah, like this reparations and <laughs> maybe this is, is this just part bees. of reparations. It's, so why don't bees. they just start their own hive? Why do they go into someone? See, I don't think a wasp would do that. I mean, that's to me. Already. I don't. I think a wasp 
would start its own hive and be like, I want to earn what I get. I do do, wasp, do wasp have the same racial problems that you just described with I bees? haven't looked into it. Okay. <laughs> um, to answer Mike's question, I guess I haven't really thought about So you're thinking of like the honeybee guy on the... On oh, I got another bee, um, the blind melon. Remember back in the day, yeah. the um, that was the a white video they had. Yeah. Uh, what? Oh, da, da, yeah. Da, um, that the girl dancing as a bee. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that's. And then I think Jerry Seinfeld had a movie about bees. Yeah, and bees. that, by but the way, I'm was a joke. Because <laughs> the whole. The, the bee movie. First of all, I want to appreciate the fact that there's this there's this nice little play on words. Jay Seinfeld makes right. the bee movie, right. right? And so now you're going to talk about how it was a joke. Well, the whole premise of the movie is these two two <clears throat> bees, male bees. They're the whole premise is they they have to decide what job they want to do for the rest of their life, and they're like, well, I'm going to be a, like one of the bees that flies out to the flowers. The male bees don't do any of that. The male bees don't. All the bees that you see flying about, carrying, those are all female. So the whole premise from the very beginning was flawed that these male bees or drones would be deciding. So the males are drones? That's yeah. what you call the males? They would be deciding, like, well, I'm going to be a flower pollinator. They don't do that. Is that so because what do the male bees do? The male bees just mate with the queen. That's all they do? And then all the work is done by female bees. And there's like, I mean, there's like, just oh, we could go on and on. But there's like, <laughs> I mean, there's like bees that fly. Then there's bees that like receive the stuff at the entrance of the hives and bring it in. And then there's like, uh, um, like mortician bees. Like bees are extremely clean. So if a bee dies in the hive, like they have bees whose job it is to just like take dead bee bodies out of the hive to keep it clean. So what do what do the males do after they do their job? What do they they just they just they live for about sixty days, so they just mate with the queen. Do the and females die. live longer then? Yeah, I mean the the queens will live like three years. The females will the females can make it you know multiple seasons sometimes. Hmm. So the worker wow. bees. It's good to be queen. So it's bad to be a male bee then, basically. Not a, I don't know. I mean, it, you're, you're like a rock star in short lived, <laughs> filled with debauchery, and then you're gone. Well, I guess you could put it that way. Well, anyways, so, so do wasps do the same thing, though. I don't know really much about wasps. Is that I because you don't, you don't care about wasps? Well, I just you know that they pollinate, right? Yes. Um, okay, that's that's important. Pollination is important. I showed Wade how to make a trap that you use meat as the bait, and honeybees don't eat meat, but wasps do. Um, so basically, the trap was to attract wasps but not honeybees and then he made fun of me or something he just sprayed his whole yard roundup <laughs> I, I uh well to be fair that that is my my form of weeding is roundup and then uh my favorite form of pest control is raid so it might my backyard is splendidly splendidly chemical filled do you have uh, i feel safe for that reason do you have a bee problem any longer wade i have not seen any but i've not gone back to check but you didn't trap them did you no, just so, rain. So if you're going to trap them, why would you trap them? Like, what would you do with them then, Then, Yeah, do you take them somewhere else and... It's trapped, no, like, no, but I mean, them. like, if you trap bees, like, would you, like, move them? How would you, like... Yeah, like, if you had honeybees... We can't last you, in Wisconsin over the winter. Them? What would yeah, you... They absolutely can. Can they? Yeah. How, how would you do that, though? They, they know how to go into whatever... Whatever they do for the but winter. But if you had, like, those boxes... Where yes. you, Those you know, are called you, supers. Okay, and then stack them on a hive. They're like a, like apartment buildings, right? For bees, those can't be. I mean, the bees like go 
into they'll, the they'll ground. Survive they'll survive in there. They just won't survive as they would in like almond growing climates. So you could make. I mean, is beekeeping a money maker? Yes, absolutely. Uh, honey, honey so prices fluctuate, but they, uh, but but honey's worth a lot of money, and then you can uh, winter your bees, mm-hmm. and uh, you could almost call it liquid gold, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, people you, will pay good money to uh, let you winter their bees. <laughs> really? So if you were going to winter your bees, like in Nebraska, or what would you? No, the uh, as far as I know, the almond growers in California are willing to pay. You know, just. Very good money to, to now. Will they pay for there. wasps as well? I doubt it. Do they? Do they know that wasps will t- will pollinate though? Right, but why would they like? If they're going to pay for like a superior pollinator, wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't they? So if what I don't get in all of this is, if the honeybees are so great, why are they all dying? Like, uh, what are they now? Well, that, that's this to? whole <clears throat> colony collapse thing. There's, I mean, different. Um, different reasons for it um some of it's kind of mysterious some of it is like we talked earlier there was a study that uh what was it the university of austin or something put out that they they said roundup was doing it and and bear said no it's not roundup we don't have enough good data on that um there's there's a there's some like pests that eat the larvae like varroa mites they're called um those will kind of destroy the young up-and-coming bees in a uh in a beehive um that's caused a lot of problems i assume people irresponsibly just killing bees um in their milwaukee backyards right that doesn't help (laughs) um they need like a pr firm to to work Are on you their hopeful reputation. that they will bounce back, or do you think it's pretty much a lost cause? No, I, th- I think they'll. I think they'll come back. I think with lots of this stuff, we just don't know how the cycle is going to play out. But uh, you know, places that have messed with this in the past, it's really screwed them up. Um, in China, they they had a like a, in the fifties. Um, Mao, Chairman Mao, he uh, he did this four pest campaign to kill. Uh, flies, mosquitoes, sparrows, and something else, rats. I already like this. Yeah, and <laughs> so the the rationale is, well, the rats are spreading, you know, disease, and the mosquitoes are carrying malaria. The sparrows he targeted because they ate grain seed and mm-hmm. fruit, and so they're, you know, oh, they're eating the grain. Well, if we kill them, there's, you know, there's a, grain. there's a problem. Well, they messed with their ecosystem. Um it's actually interesting how they killed all the sparrows, but um, they do, killed. A, do tell. <laughs> he they basically told people to. Um, it's like whenever they saw sparrows, just to keep chasing them and banging like pots and pans, so they wouldn't ever like land, and then they'd just fall out of the sky from exhaustion, and then they could kill them. <laughs> this is real. This is real, guys. <laughs> anyway, so they they destroyed their sparrow population. Well. You know, a few years later, of course, the sparrows that ate <laughs> that ate all these bugs, like all these bugs are all over the place now because oh, the sparrows don't just eat grain; they eat a bunch of bugs too. So then there's bees everywhere. So now Mao is you know upset at the bees, and <laughs> or maybe that's not how it went. Anyways, <laughs> I don't know. I, I like this. I like this plan, though. So you. No, I'm trying to figure out why. I, I know they ended up having bees. They ended up having a bee 
like a lack of bee problems because of this whole thing. I can't remember how it all played out. But basically, they screwed with their ecosystem. They didn't have any bees. And now, even to this day in China, in some places, they have to, you know, pollinate crops by hand because, you know. They could get some wasps in there because they'll pollinate as well. Who? Yeah, and I guess that maybe just if we kind of wrap up a bit, who do you think would win in a fight, a wasp <coughs> or a honeybee, Ben? Do you have any thoughts on that? Um, what kind of wasp? Like a yellow jacket or like a hornet? I don't know the difference. So oh, you, you pick. You're like the wasp guy over here. I just know about bees. I love all wasps. I don't see that. I don't see their differences. I just see what their common insectitude. I'm trying. I want to find out how this. I, I'll pipe back in and find out why the bees got all screwed all right, up so in I'm China. Gonna, I'm going to go with the wasp on that one. There's. I mean, without without a question, bees are. They're like these kind of bumbling. You know idiot looking insects and that like well, they seems like they shouldn't even be able bees. to fly and then a wasp it just seems streamlined they can just attack it right mm-hmm. plus i you're mean you're talking about a bumblebee so, i assume you mean honeybee right honeybee versus wasp you pick, i think is either there a difference I, i'm going honeybee against any wasp because i think wasps are kind of like the kamikazes like they're coming in hot and they they're very fearful but i'm going to go take the, I already the long provided video evidence of this i'm going to did you not watch the, it i did but i'm going to take the long route and eventually this organized uh, honeybees are going to win out well that's they may the, win the battle exactly. they'll win the war I, and not I, the battle right i think i think with absolutely no data on this that the honeybees <laughs> would win the war but lose lots of battles and I think you kind of have it reversed. The honeybees would be the kamikazes because when they sting, yeah, they, sting. That's what I was they lose say. their stinger and they die. They that's die. true. And ju- wasps don't. I just meant the wasps would be like angry and coming then coming in hot. But, yeah. yeah. If it was raining and they were fighting, who would win then? If the, if what? If it was raining and the and like the, the the fight breaks out and then it starts raining, who wins? It just changes the you know. I don't the know. battlefield. Well, I, I've heard that bees can't fly in the rain, so. Oh. The, I, I did hear that from the B movie, though. <laughs> yeah, well, I, they, they maybe can't. I don't know. I, I don't know. I just feel like if you're grounded, you're not going to win many fights. Right, but wouldn't wasps not be able to fly in the rain, too, then? No, they seem more streamlined. I think they seem more dedicated. <laughs> I To me, wasps are the uh, the hardworking, rugged, individualist entrepreneurs of the bee world. I'm really trying to find... My brother told me how this this great pest campaign played out. And he was telling me about it one time, and I'm trying to find where he told... He knows, like, everything about random stuff. Well, to our listeners out there uh, who seem like... This is... 20 minutes is too long to talk about bees and wasps. <laughs> Believe me, this is only the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> Absolutely. We will come back to this, I'm sure, but for right now, I think we maybe move to the main topic. <laughs> brings us to our main topic uh sort of hopefully and uh just a little bit of housekeeping <clears throat> that we missed at the beginning um first off uh i kind of alluded to the fact that we have 
a number of episodes recorded that especially Mike and I have done or Mike and I and some guests but we recorded last week with Dr. Zimmer, um, and now we have all four of us this week. And so we'll probably have those two episodes come out next, um, what we recorded last week and what we're recording now. Um, and then we may have episodes sometimes that pop in um, that are a little out of sweet sequence on how we recorded them, but that's uh, on purpose that we did that. Um, we knew with the summer if, if Mike and I had a little time to work on stuff uh, and talk to some people that that would help as we get back into the school year. Um Peter uh, has a new baby. Uh, ben may have a new baby coming at, at some point. That's the, the rumor. Um, and uh, Mike and I teach and, and have various responsibilities that come up. So as you're listening, if you hear a few where the references seem a little bit off, that might be um, that we've plugged them in there. Uh, we're going to be hopefully getting back to having an episode a week. Um, we have some winging it that will be coming too. But life has been life, and so we apologize if we've fallen a little behind. We're very thankful, though, to our listeners for sticking with us. Um, and uh, we're, we're looking forward to getting a lot of content out. We have recorded a fair amount that we're looking forward to getting out. Um, then secondly, just want to remind you that we are part of the 1517 Podcasting Network. We're excited to be part of that. Um, three of us will be out for the uh, Here We Still Stand conference in October. Um, we'll be live recording out there. We're looking forward to that. I believe we have our guest all lined up. Um, and so we are excited to be part of the 1517 Podcasting Network. Uh, thinking fellows, Mike, I don't know if you've been listening, but I think they've had just a, a really good last few episodes, very high quality. Um, check that out if you haven't. Um, Virtue in the Wasteland is, they're like in an RV going through the south now is my understanding. So... <laughs> Um, tune into them, hear what's going on. But a, a number of podcasts from 1517. Peter, you want to read some of them off? I see them on your computer there. Yeah, they've got their, their blogcasts and video casts now as well. Banned Books is one that's been out for a while now. They've been doing some good stuff. Um, a new one, uh, family, <clears throat> excuse me, Family Style Theology. So there's a there's a whole, uh, whole pile of them, it looks like. We've got 11 now. And uh, I guess third, just as a brief update from the free-for-all, uh, Mike, you said that Ben has figured out the four pass thing, or yes, Ben, uh, can you update? Uh, we we kind of left all of our listeners hanging on uh, Chairman Mao's four pest uh, war. Uh, so I I uh, I referenced the chat with my brother where he where he uh, told me what happened. Um, they killed all the sparrows by banging the pots and pans and all that, <laughs> and then the the pest bug like bed bugs and stuff. The pest bug population got under out of control because all the spears were dead so they just basically wait wait johnston the whole yeah exactly they just basically sprayed everything they saw and it like it killed the bed bugs but it also killed the bees too and boom next thing you're pollinating by hand can you imagine though that sparrow thing like if you're like eight or nine year old boy that had to be probably like the most (laughs) awesome thing ever of like (laughs) Be a patriot, son. Go run and bang pots and pans. I just can't imagine. You know, I can't imagine sparrows. like somebody as like powerful and like you know somebody in such a prominent position, just like telling like people in this country to do something stupid, like bang pots and pans to chase. Birds. Oh, I think I absolutely would do stuff. A lot of stuff like that if I were. Like, I just in can't power. see like like. My question is, I've thought about this, Ben, is, uh, and we need to get to the main topic, but do sparrows not sleep at night? Do they sleep during the day would be the first question. And B, if they do sleep at night, were they just, pe- people were assigned to stay up all night? 
looking for sparrows, and how would you find them at night? I have, I don't know anything about sparrows or wasps. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how they, whatever they did, they killed a lot of sparrows. I, okay, well, this may be another free slingshot. I, I am I fascinated know. by this. We we may come back next week with more information. We will see. I'm not uh, Mike, why don't you uh, promising anything? Why don't you then introduce us to our main topic? This is one that you've uh, mentioned a few times. Maybe you can explain to us what you mean by it, and then we can go from there. Sure. Uh, I don't know if this was original, my thought or not, or I read it somewhere. But uh, I started thinking about um, the differences, specifically between uh, Lutherans and maybe uh, the the Protestant world, is highlighting either. God the Father and His sovereignty, or Jesus Christ and Him crucified, and so I started throwing this phrase around in, in my classes a little bit, and even asked the question in your first article, Christian, or second article, Christian, alluding, of course, to the uh, Apostles' Creed, first, second, and third article, and uh, I think it's a it's a good conversation starter to get at the point that uh, God wants us to know Him through the Son. And the son, uh, through his cross, right, and kind of narrow it down to how am I going to know God? How does he come to me? How is he going to be revealed to me? And it's through Christ in a hidden way. Um, and there's the paradox that he hides himself to be revealed. But there's a lot of things, the more I think about that, that really kind of play into it. I, I, I preached this uh, this morning, um, and uh, it was... Uh, Christian Education Sunday, and so uh, kind of centered it on uh, the uh, the children coming to Jesus, and kind of started out with the idea of value, and e- Jesus is saying these little children have value, and the reason he gives is not because um, they were created. And did you use any illustrations, for instance, from the animal world? I did not. Um, there was no bees or wasps <laughs> in the in the sermon. Um, it's not just that they're human beings and therefore are deserving of certain rights, although I think that's true. But the reason Jesus gives is because the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And uh, that when I look at value to some, of, of somebody uh, in society, whether, whatever background they have, yes, it's true, I see that person creating the image of God, a fallen creature, fallen from the image of God, but there's certain inalienable rights that are given by the creator but also that this person is valued by god so much so that he became man and shed his blood for this person and so if i see the value of other people through the lens of christ and specifically the cross it's a whole different level than just oh that's a human being right so little things like that i think Everywhere I look, I see that if I see only the Father, that's good, it's fine, but I'm back to sovereignty, I'm back to something that's a little bit vague. But when I see it through the lens of Christ, specifically through the cross, I'm dead center on uh, the gospel, but also how God wants to reveal himself to me. And, 
and there there's there's not a degree of separation, right? There seems to be a de- degree of separation when we're talking with God the Father. He's mysterious. Who has seen the Father but the Son? You have all these passages that say that there there seems to be a degree of separation, and yet we have a very personal God, we are told, and, and we know this, but how do we know that? Well, it's through Jesus Christ. He became man, and he hide, hid himself in the flesh so that he could be revealed to to us um, in, a, in a fuller way. So I, I think there's quite a bit, and, and Wade, you've talked about this quite a bit when, when you, you know, talking about the difference was historically between Luther and, and Calvin or Luther and Zwingli, uh, looking through the lens of the cross of Christ or through the lens of the sovereignty of God can get people into, into trouble. Oh, you throwing it to me? I am. I, I got a little distracted because I was checking Twitter for something. And uh, what pops up is like the main thing is uh, apparently Kanye West wearing a uh, Make America Great Again <laughs> hat has uh, called for us to abolish the 13th Amendment, which got rid of slavery <laughs> because he wants to amend it instead of abolish. Or I don't I don't understand. But uh, just real quick to that. Um, yeah. <laughs> I love how Mike makes these great points. I know, and he then, sets everything up beautifully, and then Wade just But I do have to <laughs> just say this. I was flipping it's like channels Wade's like last night. like pots and pans so Mike can't land or something. <laughs> and um, he was, I, don't, I didn't see what was going on at all. I wasn't watching. I was just flipping through channels. Saturday Night Live came on. Kanye West was the guest, and he was dressed up as uh, a bottle of Perrier carbonated Many water. My drink of choice, yeah. And... Uh, Whoever was rapping with him was dressed up as Fiji bottled water, and I have no <laughs> idea what it was about, but it was kind of the strangest thing I'd ever seen. Uh. Yeah, so I apologize. Um, apparently, the hat also is made in China. <laughs> but, okay, um, I apologize, Mike. But yeah, I think um, I think just generally in American culture as well, and probably because it is a influenced by reformed theology more than anything else you know an emphasis on God's providence um, or on on God as uh, he's going to be there for the minutia of life or for the big problems uh, but a, a lack of emphasis on things like as you've mentioned in other podcasts suffering um, the hidden God things like that will come out a a fair amount. Um, so we gravitate to passages that talk about God's plan for me right. and, and this kind of stuff. And I think that this would play into also that the desire then to um, keep that God happy right through our life or whatever principles or whatever steps we're going to take would play into that too because this is a it becomes a transactional relationship right? I want God to look out for me, I want God to provide for me, and so I'm going to do these things to keep God happy. Um, it easily distracts from the cross, and in, in many ways the cross can get away from it. And I think we see that even in many churches that do preach the gospel, that the gospel will come up occasionally, when you might hear things like, well, you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, but not as your Lord. Um, and uh, this, um, Right, the, the first article, it, if we're going to try to mediate with that God apart from the second article with Christ, is going to fall back on bargaining in law. It's just inevitable from it. I uh, And I do think 
whether or not Calvin meant it, you do see um, in Reformed theology because you have the move from uh, Christ as the demonstration of God's love to, and, and here this is interesting because, you know, election is central for Luther too, but to double predestination or election to heaven and hell, um, where obviously you want proof of that you're elected for heaven, um, and oftentimes that would be then to point to evidence in your daily life, oftentimes in your own sanctification, or how God has blessed you. And I, so I think, yeah, it does play out in that and Maybe a question for you uh, when it comes to uh, that idea of maybe reasonableness um, being emphasized more in um, classic reform theology versus kind of the parrot, letting paradoxes be paradoxes, which was, I think, at least for Luther, uh, you know, a, a big deal. Um, that I'm more apt when I see God and his sovereignty and his order and his creation and his plan for me and all this kind of stuff versus seeing everything through the lens of the cross, which is backwards and foolishness to us. That I wonder if Lutherans historically have been a little bit more comfortable dealing with the paradoxes and letting paradoxes be paradoxes, um, where there's a, there's a drive um, in maybe the Protestant world to put it all kind of in a neat order. I wonder if those are connected or not. Well, and I think that's showing itself a lot in Lutheranism, um, especially in the 20th and 21st century, though, too, that it's it's made its way in of, um, you know, why do we want, we, you know, well, war can be good for the economy, too, but, you know, peacetime is, is good for trade, is good for bargaining, things of that nature. I gotta stop saying that ever since you said, was it your mom you said, pointing out that I say things of that nature, Mike? <laughs> well, I did multiple times, and but now that my mom said it, apparently it hit right. home. Right. Well, because I respect her. And uh, did she did she catch that on her own, or did you have to like point out that? No, she caught that on her own. Well, I think she had something for almost nope. all of us, didn't she? Either? Nope, just you. There might be something <laughs> to that. Was that no, was, it, was it that it was in particular? Friend, or was it was it other th- things of that nature she, as she, well. It was perfect. It was not like she was saying, "Oh, Wade needs to stop doing that." We just. I was happy to be talking about the podcast with my my sister, and then she just kind of said, she just said your catchphrase just as just passing by and things of this nature. I knew exactly <laughs> what she meant. But she she pointed out something you say because I remember being at your house at the gnat table that was just crawling with the gnats, and you said she had pointed something. May, out. that could be true. That okay. Could be true. Anyways, you should get some sparrows. They'll take care of that gnat <laughs> problem. Uh, it uh. I'm really having a hard time focusing. This girl thing's only going to make it harder. Is, uh, you know, we, we like to have peacetime for free market, trade, bargaining, things of that nature. And I think we see that same inclination that comes up um, with God. The, 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 the new Paulson book, uh, Outlaw God, um, or Luther's Outlaw God, I, I've got it somewhere. But um, I've been reading through that. And he makes some very interesting points, I think, uh, some thought-provoking points that are worth consideration about how we like to fall back on some law or to equate God with law, um, not simply as the confessions say God's immutable will, but to try to make things clean enough to where we got we get a God that at the end of the day we can still bargain with, we can still barter. Um, and that inevitably becomes a, a, a first article sort of God, you know, the 
it, it's it's it, it's really not different than any other religion. Then when you when you fall back on it, and I think we see that just in general in America today, but in um, much first world Christianity, this desire to manage God or keep God manageable. And so what Paulson does with that, I mentioned Calvin in election, but what Paulson does is interesting, is gets at how Luther does this through election. And, and Peter, you can correct me if I'm wrong, because I've been trying to wrap my head around um, necessity of consequence and necessity of uh, consequent. But that, you know, Luther makes the point that God's foreknowledge basically means nothing is contingent. And the medieval or in the middle ages the scholastics and others tried to say well of course god foreknows something and that's going to be the thing but there's a difference between the consequent consequent and consequence and god keeps himself from necessitating something so that there's human freedom and that desire for human freedom is to inevitably to get into the second article right we're not content to stay in the first article and so i think um what we what i see as a danger for for christianity as a whole first world christianity protestant christianity but also catholic christianity um is a to be content just with the first article god who's going to be the to 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 really like certain petitions of the lord's prayer but forget others especially lead us not into temptation um and deliver us from evil or to try to get that first article god um into the second article uh, change Jesus into a kind of a a first article person like yeah yeah the cross but some sort of neo lawgiver yeah, yeah like I, I pray yeah. to Jesus he's my example kind of like that yeah I, I think you're onto something there no when, Mike when you brought this topic up a while back and the first thing I thought of was when you ask a, a, a kid in Sunday school or at the kitchen table you say you know who is God or describe God to me and it's it's very interesting to me who they start describing and this is one of the <laughs> one of the difficulties that maybe our Muslim friends would point to us and say see you're not so monotheistic after all we have three persons in one God right and so we have this ability to talk about God in very different ways um, but when our children start discussing God, when we say, who is God? Describe him for me. What does he do? Um, wh where do they go? Do they go to creation? Do they go to his law, um, to his order? Um, or do they go to the cross, to what he does for us in that way? And I think it's very telling. And obviously, I don't think any of us here would, would say, I am a second article Christian and not a first article Christian. I mean, that, you know, obviously the... the well, I want to comment on that in a minute. But. Yeah, the dichotomy obviously is... is is meant to just pull out the question and help us to, I think, realize and recognize that the there's the different foci that we might take here are going to um, result in different directions that uh, our theology is going to go. Then we're going to we're going to um, emphasize different areas much much greater than others. And this is where with kids it always comes right down to it because they get to the they get to the heart of it real quickly. So if I ask my child, "Who is God? What does God do?" And they start saying, well, he creates the world and, you know, he takes care of us and things like that. This is all absolutely true, right? This isn't, I'm not going to, you know, ding him for that. But what I would really obviously like to see is them to get to the point, well, well, he dies for my sins and he's, you know, makes me right with God again, right? That's where if we, if, if the focus falls solely on the first article, we're missing a very important part of it. In fact, I, I would argue we misunderstand the first article God if we don't 
understand the first article god as necessarily the second article yeah and, and what peter said reminded me of something else that i've seen is not you know first article or versus not versus but you know first article or second article but this idea too that like well okay there's three persons in the trinity so we have to be very careful about like like if it was a pie chart like splitting our time and attention among the three people equally because you know otherwise you're starting to talk about jesus too much you know god the father is getting a little jealous or the holy spirit always you know people call him the forgotten member of the trinity sometimes which i think is funny because you say first article or second article and of course there's a third article as well (laughs) but i mean i've almost seen people wrestle with that too like well it's kind of got to be like a, a pie chart so let's make sure you know one third of our focus is on god the father and you know his sovereignty and we'll talk about the law and you know a lot of focus on that type of stuff and then we can give some focus to jesus but let's not give him too much focus so that you know he as if it weren't one god i I, I mean and there's a reason the second article is longer than the first and the third because this is how god has chosen to reveal himself in in the fullest way um and i i do think that we have a lady in our church who's just constantly, dear old lady, she's constantly saying, you you pastors don't don't speak about the Holy Spirit enough. And I, I say you're mm-hmm. right. At the same time, I think that's the way the Spirit wants it, right? He is going to work through the Word, and well, the and, Word is about Jesus Christ. And, and you are speaking about right. the and, triune God and, when you and, speak about Jesus and or God the Father. We're doing Spirit. The Spirit's doing His work when we're talking about Jesus Christ, and 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 I like what you said there, as, as if uh, the Father and the Spirit are jealous of the Son, or somehow uh, they well, want and, us to know about the Son. That's the whole point, and um, yeah. And in, in different traditions, you might say it's the Holy Spirit getting all the all the uh, attention and, and glamour, sure. and and God the Father and God the Son are the ones left out. And in other, you know, well, it's all about God the Father and not much about God the Son or God the Holy Spirit. So. Yeah, it's, and when you and, not, and when you think about the the third article, especially the the Apostles' Creed, it's it's not much about the Holy Spirit. It's about what He is doing. So mm-hmm. it's you know the Holy Christian Church and the communion of saints, and so I, 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 there is there is that that pull I think to separate God in a certain way. And when you're talking about Jesus a lot, and, and we do get those criticisms. You're always talking about Jesus. You don't talk enough about about this well um this is how the hidden god is revealed to me in its most spectacular and yet hidden way is and and not just second article but specifically through the lens of the cross um that's where we truly find what love really is and we also see how serious god the father is about about his law and his order um, we can point to the Old Testament and say, man, he's really angry. But to the point where he is willing to send his son um, so that there can be justice, so there can also be mercy. Someone's got to die and pay the price for the sins, and it's not going to be us, it's going to be his son. That means he's really serious about his law and his order. But he's just as serious about his mercy. And you don't get that. You just don't get that by looking at nature. So, you know, the first and second article thing plays it out, I think, in many different places. Like, 
do I prom- am I going to be always about prayer? And I think that goes back to the bargaining with God. Um, you know, prayer almost becomes a means of grace in some in in some traditions, but also in hymnody. You know, um, we kind of make fun of even though we love all these Anglican Christmas hymns, <laughs> you know, they talk a lot about nature, you know, and oxen and, and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and, and, oh yeah. And also there was this child, you know, and, um, that hymnity, if you just kind of watch yourself, um, the, the hymns uh, that are, that come from the English speaking wor- world, a lot of them are about God's plan, God's providence, um, nature and the beauty of nature and all this kind of stuff. And not, um, not really focusing on on Christ and the cross, and it's subtle, but it's there. No, and I will say that God's plan, His providence, the 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 problem is with focusing on that is if you've separated it from the cross, right? Because that is His plan and His providence for us, and and when that becomes separated, um, that's when you have the issue. And you can, and we've I think we've talked about this before, but you can I think make a pretty pretty compelling argument for a Creator God just from a, a natural kind of laws, order sort of argument, and uh, you can get there. And if you get there and you're honest with yourself and just look at yourself and say, you know, I'm going to use my, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be the example, assuming that most humans are very similar to me, quickly you come to sin and you recognize that that's a problem. And so you, if you have a creator God and you have sin that, you know, you can ascribe to yourself, you immediately have this problem. And if you end with the first article, you, you don't have the resolution of that problem. And like, Mike, what you were saying, was just perfect. God takes this very seriously, and he his he takes his law very seriously, and he takes his love for us very seriously as well. And he shows us that in his mercy, which reveals which is revealed through the second article, the second person um, of the Trinity. And so you see that all just when we when we try to separate those things out, we run into really big problems. And I think that we do that certainly in our circles, and I think that different uh, Christian denominations throughout history have have gravitated to different areas as different folk having different focuses and as well and that um, reveals itself then over the long term in their theology and I, th- I think you can also get to the i mean I certainly understand it and i'm not i'm not criticizing anybody but you can get to that whole well okay uh, we'll start with you know we'll agree this is the word of god and we'll we'll agree with you on that starting point but let's see where that takes us and and it's almost as if as if some would say if this word which i will i will say is i'm willing to admit it's god's word i'm willing to say it it's holy and i believe it and they'll say if it leads me to this conclusion about jesus well then that's the direction i'll take it but if it leads me to a different conclusion like you know, this is the scriptures more about the sovereignty of God. So almost like I'm going to read the Bible as a blank slate, and wherever it takes me is where I'll end up, kind of. Instead of saying like, but Jesus Himself has already told you that the whole Bible's about Him, and so like <laughs> you have to kind of read it through that lens and with that in mind. Um, it's it's also kind of you know like some people. Well, I'll. I'll believe in Jesus if I can get there logically. And it's like, you know, for me, it's like you can't, like, get there logically. You have to use that lens to look at things. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense. But at the same you know, I'm not criticizing. I can see how that people would think differently than that. Um, but just that whole, like, 
I'm a blank slate. I'm going to just, you know, read through this, and whatever conclusions I come to by reading it, those will be my emphases, or that'll be where I put my focus. Instead of, well, Jesus already told you what the focus is, so you kind of got to read it through that lens. Yeah, and I would argue that that's actually, you're you're minimizing the third article pretty pretty dramatically with that approach, right. because what is the work of the of the Spirit? It's to work faith, right? And so the 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 way in which the spirit works faith is certainly through word and sacrament and we look for the marks of the church and for some reason um you know i don't know maybe we should talk to god about this because it seems like a pretty bad plan but he decided that he was going to have humans um you know take be the, be the caretakers of this of this revealed truth and it seems like that's a you know a bad vessel to carry it but that's what he chose and so we've got this kind of faulty you know vessel to carry it and yet it still continues. It continues mm-hmm. to this day, and uh, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And yeah. in some ways, I think that, that that demonstrates the the power of God through the Spirit right there as well. But so you're talking about coming to this, coming to the the truth by just in having this tab- tabula rasa approach to Scripture. I'm going to just read it and see what it tells me. And you're missing the the point that that faith is actually work is actually the work I of actually God as know well. That- term too, but I didn't want to sound pretentious. So <laughs> well, see, I have no problem with that. I just said that. blank slate. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, am just giving Peter a hard time. Speaking about, you know, if if I only had, and I we heard, I heard this a lot when I was a pastor, like, well, you know, I don't need to go to church because I can go out to nature and, and I can know God. And I go, well, you're missing kind of, I mean, if you're honest with yourself and you're only going to see uh, God through this natural law, you're going to, you're going to see some, you're going to see a very angry God, a very beautiful um, God, an intelligent God but kind of haphazard in how he deals and how he doles out punishment and stuff like that, right? And I, it always struck me that the people who did human sacrifices in the ancient world were probably pretty good theologians of the law. Like they understood God's really, really angry and we need to do something to make him, he, she, it, whatever, happy. Well these other sacrifices aren't work what are don't seem to be working because the volcano is still erupting well what's the ultimate the ultimate sacrifice but life right and so close and yet so far it would be a sacrifice of life but it would have to be you know the god man so it, you you can you can get a pretty sophisticated theology totally devoid of the second and third article but I think if you don't have, if you don't have the story of Jesus Christ and His atonement, you kind of have a God who is, yes, loving and 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 gives us a lot of stuff and protects us and providence and all this kind of stuff. But also, you don't have, you don't have the fulfillment of the law, right? And so you you you're going to end up, if you're honest with yourself, you're going to end up at a very sad dead end. Yeah, no, I mean, I would say that that kind of natural theology that ends with uh, with human sacrifice. Oftentimes, we even see that it ends with uh, innocent human sacrifice, right? We don't go and grab the the prostitute or the the swindler from the community. We grab the the virgin or the child or something along those lines, and we sacrifice them. And you know, and like you said, so close, right? So, I mean, so close. That's exactly what God demands: is that innocent sacrifice. It's just not just any it's truly innocent and it's his son maybe permit me to talk worship just one more time um when i think about worship and and the 
the idea of that we're Christ-centered in our worship. I think about a circle with the cross in the middle and how often that can be empty. So we have Jesus in the center, but we're dancing around the circle the whole time. And instead of thinking about worship as kind of the cross in the center and then, you know, not a circle around it, but something that pull is pulls into Christ, right? So baptism is a baptism into Christ. And the word is a proclamation of Christ. And, and he is the word. And Holy Communion is a participation in his body and blood. And so instead of saying, yes, Christ is the center as we do all this other stuff, it's more of um, being pulled into Christ and that paradox of the cross. And then from then go, going out after worship that I bear, I share in his sufferings. Um, I'm doing this spiritual battle um, every day in vocation as I'm re, not rebaptized, but um, as I live out my baptismal life, constantly dying to the old man and being resurrected as a new man. It's, it's much different than living out your life, saying God has a plan for me, and I'm always going to keep Jesus at the center because that's going to ground me. It's so much different when you say, I'm living this baptismal life where I live and die with Christ. I'm a co-worker with him, and I share in his sufferings. Um, and it, it's just a different feel. It's a different thing. And I, I think in, in our life of sanctification, that would be the difference between being a first article Christian and a second article Christian. Yeah, absolutely. I, you see, again, I'm just speaking in general, generalities here, but you see that play out in sanctification a lot. Um, you tend to see... If we're, if we're titling people, we tend to see first article Christians, um, when they think about sanctification, a lot of it is, is about, is inwardly focused. It's very, you know, it's very much what can I do in my personal life to, you know, how can I, you know, behave this rule? How can I live this way that God wants me to live? And those are all very good things, and they're all important to you know, sanctification for second article Christians too, but you see more of the focus on, yes, there's these things about how I live my life personally that God wants and desires and tells us about in his word, but there's more of a vocational feel to it that, you know, now I'm going out and I'm serving my neighbor, and that's, you know, that's how sanctification plays out in in my life, it's, you know, how, how am I serving my neighbor? How am I, you know, going out into the world and serving others? Um, again, I'm not trying to say, you know, it's just one or the other, but I do tend to see more of a focus on, you know, really personally trying to, okay, I, well, I don't care about the rest of the world, but at least I can say that, you know, God told me to do this, and I don't do this, and God told me to be like this, and I'm really good at that. And, I mean, you know, that's where you had people living in caves because they're like, well, that I won't be sinning, and, you know, that's what my sanctification is about, is making sure, first and foremost, I live a pure life. Everybody else can fend for themselves. Yeah, I think that's a good point. You see God's order 
Um, and again, his plan for me and, and, this, and part of that plan would be sanctification rather than saying I'm living this Christological life. We talk about vocation as a Christological endeavor. You're a co-worker with Jesus Christ. Um, and then personally, it, vocation is the battleground for um, uh, the old man dying and the new man resurrecting because when I live for somebody else I'm dying to myself this is this is this is it's very practical it's very gritty it, it, it's not it's not kind of a um, abstract thing where I'm trying to reach some sort of level of sanctification or even holiness trying to get some method to holiness this kind of abstract what does that even look like well this is how it looks like you do the dishes because the dishes are there and you're not really concerned about whether that met met the requirement of some some law or not. Um, you're just living and dying in this christological endeavor, and that happens to be for neighbor and not for your own your own benefit. Yeah, like almost like you know you're you're getting all your merit badges so you can get whatever. I don't know anything about the scouts, but um, but like. Mike, uh, do you know anything about Lutheran pioneers? <laughs> no, there's a lot of pine car derbies, but that's that's all I know. I don't even know if I was ever in that. Um, so it's not like your knowledge base of bees, for instance. <laughs> yeah, um, but I, I just want to say, yeah, Mike. So he doesn't see doing the maybe he sees doing the dishes as well. Now my wife doesn't have to do them, um, so he gave up something himself for somebody else Um, he's not doing it so okay i got my uh dishwashing merit badge so uh i'm you know that one's off the checklist i don't have to do that one again and now i'm uh two-thirds of the way done to completing my checklist and you know yeah going back to the the kid litmus test you say you know for the if you ask the kid why why should you do the dishes if they say well because mom mom and dad will get mad at me if i don't um, you know that well. That's one, that's a reason, right? <laughs> but m- much better reason is going to be if they say, "Well, because it'll help mom and dad out, because I can do it, and that way mom and dad don't have to." That's I mean, it's that's a maybe a trite example, but it's the the the, the in the end they're doing it, but the motivation's different, and that motivation, in, in when we take it to the to the realm of sanctification, makes all the difference in the world. Just how we're seeing it, if we're seeing it as we're fulfilling God's commands to us, um, given to us in order to you know mark it off so that we don't get in trouble, we're in the wrong place already. Yeah, and that switch does come. You know, I mean, uh, it, it may be when it's time to put mom and dad in the nursing home. It may be take, <laughs> take a while, um, but there's those moments when you know your child in maturity just kind of all of a sudden surprises you by just doing something just for the sake of doing it, mm-hmm. right? And um, so there is such a thing as spiritual growth. We of course are not denying that, but it's it, well, wait, it, it happens. Be, but. It happens. We use an antinomian, but that just happens. <laughs> Without thinking about it, in the same way, I don't. I I could, I could constantly as a kid going, "Am I growing? Am I growing? Am I growing? Am I growing?" It's all of a sudden you wake up and you go, you know, my pants don't fit anymore. I need new pants. Yeah, and I'm not. I mean, I'm not trying to take away from your points, you know, with your kids. But I'm. <laughs> his kid had a kid three weeks ago, and he's already asking him and getting responses <laughs> about, who, you know, who is God, Gabriel? <laughs> well, uh, I'm just shocked he can talk already. That's That was he's my already, biggest like, takeaway. He's already, like, read 
two C.S. Lewis books. Right. What what music? <laughs> you started do, with Mister Men. Yeah. What music do you play in in the nursery? We don't we don't play music. It's uh, it's just audio books. <laughs> Philosophers started started out with well, we started some, uh, with the city of Aristotle. God. Yeah, the city of God. Some <laughs> light reading. Ayn Rand. <laughs> so, in conclusion, or at least uh, we'll attempt to conclude it. We are first, second, and third article Christians, all of us here. Um, but there is something unique about the son. And something unique about it is that this is how, about him, is this is how God the Father has chosen to reveal himself in a hidden way to us, us New, New Testament Christians. It's really his choice, right? And, and we are able to see through the lens of the cross who Jesus Christ is, and through that we see who God is. Serious about his law, just as serious about his grace for us. And then his plan for us, his life for us, um, is not some abstract thing, but it's grounded in the cross as well. We bear a cross, and, and what a beautiful baptismal picture that is, the, the sign of the cross put on a, on a child to mark him or her as Christ redeemed, um, is, is a dual meaning there, right? Um, I, I have this cross placed upon me to remind me this is where my only hope and my salvation is, but I will bear a cross as well. And uh, you get that all through the lens of the second article. Uh, I, I did. Wait, did. That, that Kanye tweet really, really took yeah, him out of it. He just, uh, he's been out of it since <laughs> he's, he's been chasing Twitter ever since that. that. It, it got me on a... Uh, I'm not gonna lie. No, we all know how the uh, YouTube rabbit hole works or the <laughs> Twitter rabbit hole. You, you just got to remember to delete the history when you're done. Wait, wait, wait! wait we're are, on our third episode you, this evening. <laughs> when you guys are done, I was gonna close with with the scripture account. So there you go. We're ready, Wade. Are you ready? Yep. Okay, it's uh, it's loading on my WC internet. Oh, I bet my. My uh, internet is unplugged. I'm looking at I'm looking at Wade right now on his phone and on his internet, and there's 14 Bibles I can see from here on the shelf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it up on my phone, but I, I think it it came to mind in the discussions we were having today, and so hopefully it resonates with listeners. But um, so this is from Matthew chapter twenty uh, chapter ten, sorry, um, and Jesus says, "Are not two sparrows sold for a penny?" <laughs> And not one of them <laughs> will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore. You are all of more value than many sparrows. And what we want to uh, leave you with is, like a sparrow, let the bird fly. Every evening when the sun goes down, get in my body and I begin to cry. I don't care what the people are thinking. I'm not drunk, I'm just a tank. I set him up, another round, I set him up, another round, I set him up, another round, one more round won't get me down.